Welcome to the Words of Grace podcast, where we discuss faith journeys, fellowship and stories from across the Diocese of Sheffield. Each week we will feature guests from a broad range of backgrounds and traditions within the Church of England. Our mission is to delve deeper into matters of faith and to ask each guest what has drawn them to Christianity. I'm Paul Sheridan and I'm here with my colleague and co-host Ben Fern. How are you Paul? I'm very well, how are you? Good. It's been a very busy time. We've had lots going on in the diocese. We had the Archbishop of York's visit, mm. uh, the parish safeguarding celebration officer day. That's a mouthful. Uh, that should be a snappier title. I'm probably in the wrong order there. Yeah. Um, ordinations as well. And then we're already looking ahead to Christmas. So it's a busy time and a busy time to come as well. I was watching telly the other night and Die Hard came on. Now, I know we've had the discussion about Die Hard in the past as to whether that is a Christmas film. There are certain people in the building who deny that it's a Christmas film. And they're wrong. And they're wrong. But this was July. Okay, so I'm watching... I was sat there watching... And I wouldn't have watched it. It was only because I know that it's a contentious issue within the Church of England, whether this is a Christmas film. And I'm sat there. It's definitely a Christmas film. But what the heck? Half past ten on a Tuesday night in the middle of July, Die Hard's on. See, I wouldn't watch it in the summer because it's a Christmas film. I got dragged in. I got dragged in only because I wanted to check that it was a Christmas film, and it was. Did you know that Ben watches The Muppet of Christmas Carol? Is it every day? Uh, Every day? (laughs) Is it every day? No, not every day. Every year. No, it wasn't you. Oh, sorry. It wasn't you. (laughs) Well, you were in this conversation. It was... Sorry, I've just uh, told a complete lie about you there, Ben. Um, Somebody who I was in a meeting with last year, and I believe you were in the meeting with as well, I can't remember who it was, told me that in... December, they watch The Muppet Christmas Carol every single day. Wow. And then I think me and Ben were, were shocked. So in my brain, um, I've, I've put those two things together. And now in my mind, you watch it every day. As much as I love it, and it is the best Christmas <laughs> film. It is a great film. We always watch it before Christmas. Day. Yes. Yeah. It's a, that would be a bit like, do you remember that guy who ate a McDonald's every day yeah. for a year or whatever? Mm. It'd be a bit like that, wouldn't it, at yeah. some point? Yeah. 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 We did have it on a church house the last day before Christmas. We had it. Um, on in the office, which was great. We did, yeah, Excellent. yeah. Excellent. And some of us were singing along as well. Marley and Marley. <laughs> I think it's because you did such a good impression, Ben, that I then in my head amalgamated you oh. and, and this watching every day. The word impression was used. <laughs> I think we don't think too soon, Ben. Is it too soon to, <laughs> no, <laughs> to bang out yeah. the impressions? <laughs> when I come back at Christmas, I'll, I'll ask you then. Yeah. Okay. Are we saving the Kermit impression till Christmas? If you want to, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Or maybe I'll just drop it in with one of our interviewees further down the line. Yeah. Just ask a question. Ask Kermit. Uh, Yeah. We've got a a brace of bishops coming up soon. Yes. Brace of bishops. There you go. And I think a question from Kermit and Fuzzy Bear. No. Yeah. Would would be wouldn't be bad, would it? And the diehard question, I think they have to face as well. I think they would have to face because I know that Archdeacon Malcolm is very much on the pro. Die Hard being a Christmas film. Yes. He had a very convincing reason for that as he well. He did. He did. He pointed out that had it not been for Christmas, John McClane wouldn't be flying to LA to try and reunite with Holly because they're mm. separated. But. And there's the answer Holly. Holly. Hey, I've never realized that. There you go. There it is. We ought to introduce, introduce, introduce our guest. Indeed. You will have heard Hannah there. So, Hannah Sandoval is our Lights for Christ enabler at the Diocese. She studied music at university, but had a change of heart and became a teacher. Change of harp. Very good. She also plays the harp, just to (laughs) make that clear. Very good. We're getting the puns in early. Um, She became a teacher of the deaf, working with children who use British Sign Language to communicate. Two years ago, she began working part-time for the diocese and was teaching one day a week. As of recently, she now works full-time as our Lights for Christ enabler. 
helping people to explore how they can live out their faith in everyday life. When not working, Hannah enjoys making things and being outside and entertaining her four guinea pigs. Hannah, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So what are the guinea pigs called? Oh, so we've got Pam and Joan, who are named after our maternal grandmothers, me and my husband. Um, <laughs> so Pamela and Joan, uh, they were the OG, the the originals. Uh, and then we felt like we wanted some more. So now we've got a herd, we've got four, and we've got Perdita and Margarita, who have joined the clan. Well, well Perdita and Margarita, because... They was your paternal grandfathers? Or? No, uh, I don't know really. My husband's half Mexican, so we wanted a, an eater name and we just liked those two and yeah, they they fitted right in. <laughs> and there's some good Star Wars memorabilia as well at the household. Yeah, my right? husband is a strong Star Wars fan. There's many a Lego set, many an artwork adorning our walls. That's a very positive thing to say. I have mm. to affirm that, absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Hannah, we've covered it briefly just in this introduction, but a Lights for Christ enabler, tell us just a bit about your role, what that means. Yeah, so it's, it's a really funny job title to try and explain. Um, a few funny instances have been when going through customs in New York at JFK Airport. You know, they, they quiz you about everything. You know, why are you here? How much money have you got? And what do you do for work? So, um, I'm a, I'm a, I work for the church. Okay, what, what do you do? And I was, I'm a discipleship enabler. What? So I tried to explain. They just, oh, just go through. And then m- most recently, I had to give a police statement because um, there was a burglary on my street, which I happened to witness, which was another story. Um, but uh, the police officer wanted to put down my occupation. And I was trying to explain what a, a lights for Christ enabler is. Um, but basically what it means is I travel around the diocese visiting churches and um, Christian communities, groups of people, small groups, that kind of thing, um, and encourage people to think about how they can be lights for Christ in everyday life. So when somebody is baptised um, and or confirmed in the Church of England, we say you have received the light of Christ, walk in this light all the days of your life. And we, as, and then the congregation will say, shine as a light in the world to the glory of God the Father. So we've taken this phrase from our baptismal liturgy. And it's biblical too. You know, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And so we're encouraging people to think about how they can be lights for Christ, not just on a Sunday when they're in church, but Monday to Saturday as well. So every part of their life, whether they're on the bus, at work, looking after their grandkids, doing something they really don't want to do or doing something they really do want to do. All of those things can come under this umbrella of being lights for Christ. And it's been really great to see that flourishing and we've been blessed to have you in the role and we've all been very happy that um, you've gone full time with us as well. Another part of your role, of course, is the personal rule of life, which you encourage people to sign up for. Can you just delve a bit, delve a bit into what that means? Yeah, so I think um, all this stuff about being lights for Christ, uh, some of that is uh, happens naturally. You know, when we, we receive from God, uh, we, we attend church, we're kind of formed by his word that that some of that will happen automatically but actually it's really important that we're intentional about the way that we are following Jesus because naturally you know we we are inclined to to perhaps not bother or to um you know it's hard work isn't it sometimes being a being a Christian it's really hard to to try and do the 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 Christ-like thing and so our idea was that actually by having a kind of framework to help you structure your discipleship to have these habits and practices that almost become automatic um that that helps shape us and form us and helps us to become more fruitful than we might otherwise be so a personal rule of life really is a, a set of habits and practices that a person chooses that help them to become more christ-like 
um in a monastic community everybody would have the same rule of life and you'd be subject to really formal vows you know for for the rest of your life but we're not in a monastic community so um each person will choose their own set of three habits say and then they will commit to that for for this season of their life and um periodically they review it and think about what might need to change so my my personal rule of life has changed about three times because you know my rhythm of work has changed other aspects of my life have changed and so my rule of life has had to change as well but even so having that framework that pattern that rhythm of habits throughout my my week my my uh, the month even the year you know you can have these cycles and um, that's really helped me um, in my walk with Jesus and you've been our media queen as well for the diocese Hannah, <laughs> a lot of stories we've done Hannah has been our go-to interviewer and she's um well she's done a brilliant job with it yeah thank you Ben I I've enjoyed my my two radio interviews so far uh, I'm going back in August to talk about my faith story so that's that's very excited exciting yeah that whole rhythm thing is if there's something fundamental about it isn't there's something deeply spiritual about rhythm and modern societies tends to have lost some of that doesn't it because you know ancient tribal or tribal life or rural life was much more around rhythm and patterns wasn't it and we've we've lost a lot of that haven't we and that is is that what you try have that where you come from that sort of spiritual that monastic tradition you try to bring something of that into it or is it just outside of that is it something that you think is fundamental to the to the spiritual walk in that respect i think it's both i think i think we are creatures of habit i mean you could argue that everybody has a personal rule of life um spiritual or otherwise so for example we probably all get up at the same time each day we we will do certain things when we get up we'll eat certain things we'll um each have little sort of behaviors that that are some are helpful and some aren't some are spiritual and some aren't um and you could actually say that some of those non-spiritual habits inform our spirituality for example if i go to bed late um then i'm probably not going to get up early and pray and whilst that's not necessary for me to do every day you know sometimes i like to pray in different ways i can recognize actually if i have a, a good sleep routine then I am much more likely to be more positive the next day. I'm more loving and more Christ-like, hopefully, than you know if I'm really tired and cranky and actually I haven't had the time to pray and I'm in a rush. Um, but also I think across the church globally, not just in the Anglican church, there is a push towards new monasticism, particularly amongst young people, really looking for that structure and regularity and sense of community, actually. And whilst you know people in our diocese aren't taking on the same rule of life, they are... I guess making a commitment to that intentionality so even if you're not doing the same habits you can still support somebody who is also taking on their own rule of and how do you sort of balance all that Hannah because we've mentioned already you do play the harp that's a skill you've brought here but also your signing background I know that at events like the open day for clergy last year for example yeah, you've been there signing for people that must be quite a lot to balance with your your day-to-day role as well Mm, I think it's been a real learning curve for me because here I am telling everybody else that they need to get their habits in order and (laughs) not in a in a critical way but you know be be intentional about what they do and don't do and what they say yes and what they say no to and um you know a big part of personal rule of life you know one of the sections is about balancing work and rest and actually I had to have a really good talking to (laughs) myself because I realized that I was saying yes to absolutely everything and they were all brilliant things but actually the 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 wise the really prudent thing was actually to do fewer things better um not just for the sake of productivity but for the sake of my own 
soul you know my own spiritual and mental and physical well-being all of those things um so what's been really a, a joy for me is actually almost having permission to kind of experiment with all these different habits and rhythms and that you know it's it's my work you know not only is it is it something that is good for me it's these kinds of exp- experiments that I've done so I've experimented with kind of different frameworks for rule of life in my own life that's um it means I'm better able to equip other people and say well have you tried this framework this might be a better tool for you yeah but no it, it's yeah it's been a learning curve but I think I've got a good balance now I think you did all of your job roles in one on that day because you yeah. did play the heart that day as well <laughs> yeah I, I, to be fair I did have to have a, a lie down after that I, I was I was pretty tired um but the signing thing like that that interestingly I feel that comes to me more naturally than the the heart playing which doesn't make any sense which is why I believe it's a gift from God because I I didn't grow up with anybody deaf I didn't know anybody deaf until I became uh, I sort of started volunteering in a deaf school so um there's no kind of precedent for it and there's no reason as to why I should be good at it but nevertheless I think I am and people have said that I am and you know it's been a huge part of my work and my career um and my daily life for a long time that probably leads us sort of on to just that faith journey really to how you got here so so sort of your background brought up in a christian household not how did you how did you sort of get to that faith journey moment um well i i think i had uh, perhaps a, a more unusual faith background um my mum's family are christians and so my mum is too and my dad I guess I mean I'm not sure how he'd describe himself at the moment but I I think he's more agnostic sort of never really been too interested in in faith or or church um but still you know perfectly happy for me to explore whatever I wanted um and his family actually are part of a uh, religious movement that was popular in the in the 80s and 90s called um neo sannyas which was based in india around a kind of a different spiritual kind of uh, more eastern spirituality kind of thing so that so i had lots of different influences in my life growing up and actually i think that's been a real a blessing because not only has it given me experiences of different sorts of spirituality even if i wouldn't partake in those kind of spiritualities myself it's given me an awareness and an understanding of those things um but also it, it's meant that you know as a, as a teenager and as a student people will say oh you're just a christian because your parents are or that's that's how you've grown up and i could say actually no <laughs> kind of yes kind of no you know and um you know i don't think my brother would describe himself as a christian um and so it it, it has it was always very much my choice and in fact i think it got to the point in my sort of early teens where I wanted to go to church more than my poor parents wanted to take me <laughs> you know before i could drive and uh and so I, in, in that sense, I think I think God has always had a call on my life, um, even though I, I, I perhaps can't explain what that is right now, you know, or I mean, can we ever? It's it, it's very difficult. And there, there are sort of we talk about this with lights of lights for Christ. We're all called to be lights for Christ. But then we have other callings on top of that. And sometimes they kind of overlap and different callings for different seasons. Um, so, yeah. So um, really what was really important for me in my faith journey was music so obviously playing the harp when I was 16 I joined a Christian orchestra and choir called the New English Orchestra and we would try to tell something of the gospel through music 
not just verbally but also you know we could play a piece that didn't have words but it might be a jazz piece that was really exciting and actually that would say something about the exuberance of god or it might be a really sorrowful sorrowful um violin piece and actually that would say something of the grief of the suffering servant for example um and so and actually meeting those people in that orchestra who really saw that as their ministry that was such a blessing for me and it really showed me different ways of being what I would now call lights for Christ in everyday life. Has it been interesting as well to have the mix between the secular and the faith as well? I mean, we were saying recently how, as well as working here as a Lights for Christ enabler, you're also uh, signing mm-hmm. as a teacher. Uh, so that sort of secular faith approach, was it interesting to flick from one to the other on a weekly basis? Yes, and in some ways it was good to have a toe in the workplace, as it were. I mean, obviously this is a workplace here at Church House, but it's a different kind of workplace um and part of my role um is to encourage people to be disciples at work how they can be a christian presence um in the workplace and so it was good to still have that experience of a of a secular kind of workplace um yeah and i think i will i will definitely miss that but it, it felt like the time was right to to focus solely on on this work for now it's interesting that i think we said on the first podcasting that we for both of us, Paul and I, this is our first sort of faith-based job, mm. despite having that faith before. And um, certainly I felt a calling to, you know, the opportunity to have a job for the first time to work out my faith. That was, you know, such a big opportunity that I sort of couldn't miss, really. Yeah, I remember probably about five years ago or six years ago, coming to the end of my first year of teaching when you have, you know, your NQT I can't even remember anymore, but assessments and things like that. And my... Um, person who was doing my performance manager management said to me where do you see yourself in five years time and at that point I already knew that I was leaving that school because uh, we were getting married and we were moving up here to Sheffield um so I said well I think I'd probably like to teach part-time and maybe work for the church part-time but I had no idea in what capacity that that would be and that's how it's happened you know up until recently that's exactly what I was doing so yeah God is good yeah, I'm old enough to know the time when actually the sort of pinnacle for everyone was to work for the church. Mm. And uh, certainly during the 80s and into the 90s when we went through that movement of actually all work is, is God created. Mm. I don't think it was ever uh, um, explicit, but it, it always felt like that. Um, and it, it was a really important time for us, I think, when we started to realise that your ministry was not just about being at the front of a church. There was ministry outside. Um, and it's been really a big change, I think, in Christian circles, and fantastic because people have been taught about how to have whole life discipleship every day with Jesus, wherever you are, uh, which isn't always easy. You know, I came from an engineering background, which was very difficult to be a Christian in that environment. And I'm sure journalism is is as well. You know, it's... Uh, Absolutely. I think, I mean, it was good in the sense it informed me being responsible and compassionate with different you know, interview topics or interviewees that helped with that. But yes, yeah, certainly, um, quite rightly, I had to be impartial with how things were covered and professional. Um, so it was that challenge, I think, and balancing those sort of competing aspects, really. Yeah, I think often people think if you talk about discipleship in the workplace, they <laughs> they imagine sort of going around with like a gospel track, like, have you heard about our Lord and Saviour? Which is, you know, sometimes there may be, a, you know, an opportunity where actually somebody is, is asking you that kind of question and they are, they're really wanting to know about faith. And there is that opportunity to have that conversation. That's pretty much how it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, that was, you know, 
going to work means you share your faith. Yeah, you and don't, you don't live out your life as a disciple of Christ. You share your faith, and that was that was hard for it's people. It's quite scary because I mean, it, it's often you talk about evangelism. People think about street preachers, and that is one form of like it's a very niche form of evangelism that is right for some people, but probably not right for the majority of us. And it's the same with the whole going around handing out leaflets or, or um, gospels. You know, there, there absolutely is a time for that. Um, in the workplace, I wonder it might be less common. Um, and also it might depend on sort of HR and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, there, there may be, you know, a, a colleague that you have this relationship with that actually they ask you about your faith and, and they, they are keen to learn more. And in that case, it would be appropriate. But um, I think when we talk about being disciples in the workplace, what we mean is is being a Christian presence. So um, like you were saying, Ben, like acting with integrity and honesty uh, and patience and loving people um as if they were the Lord and th that's really hard when you're really irritated with somebody and actually your instinct would be just to snap at them and say oh you know can't can't be dealing with this today but actually you know you're called to to love regardless of the circumstances somebody um when I was a teenager said to me imagine that every email you write is signed off with your name and then like your email signature would be follower of Jesus and so every time I write an email I think is what I'm writing, does that does that match up with this imaginary um, email signature that I have for myself? Um, so I suppose it's all about attitude and tone and your choices rather than sort of direct sharing of the gospel. I think it's being courageous with it as well. I've been guilty throughout my life of not being open enough about my faith, mm. which is one of the things that's inspiring about Lights for Christ mm -hmm. and sort of sharing that light. Um, but then you, you can be surprised at the opportunities that come up. You know, I've had colleagues and I've worked in the secular workplace who it's transpired I've been a Christian or it's come up in context and I've expected animosity or hostility to it. And actually there's been either, oh, I'm a Christian too, or at least a genuine sort of interest in what that means. And I think it's just being prepared to think that while you might get some bad feedback, you, there are also opportunities out there as well for those conversations yeah and I think when you're living in a way that is obviously distinct you know whether that's in terms of your behavior things that you perhaps don't join in with you know if there's a a really nasty gossip session going on and you can hear it but you you know you keep yourself kind of removed from it it's just an example but people will start to ask questions um you know why is it that you don't join in with those things why is it that you are able to maintain some sense of calm when everything's going badly at work? Uh, and I think that's when you can say, you know, as 1, 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So it's, you know, it's not the case that we're expecting everyone to have a sermon or, you know, like an apologetics talk stored in their head. They just need to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that they have. Yeah, and the workplace is, is under real scrutiny at the moment, isn't it, in so many ways, even from, you know, recent stories, but right across from large national institutions to, to privately owned companies is under real scrutiny. And I think it's a real opportunity for Christians to really have a voice in those aspects of actually, <coughs> I think in the 80s and 90s, it was very difficult to call things out. Uh, but I think nowadays there is more potential for people to say, oh, actually, guys, I think we're wrong here. And the reasons are these gentleness, love, peace, or all that sort of stuff. That's not out of vogue at the moment. It would be possible to do that, particularly as institutions are under such pressure to look at themselves quite rightly over the way that they behave to minority groups, to women. Um, you know, that, that sort of stuff is real high profile. And I think Christians can have a real voice in that without being 
gospel bashers or Bible bashers as we used to be called, but much more as in a voice of of wisdom and love and humbleness and patience and peace, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and if you're in a position of leadership or authority within a business or an organisation, then you can really shape um, shape things for the future according to those those values um, of love and peace and kindness and you know all of those things that we as Christians are called to live by. And it was um, this links in with the rework conference you went to recently, and it's that. Um, focus on the workplace and how to live out faith in the workplace as well Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so we we ran a a rework conference um in sheffield in partnership with licc so that's the london institute of contemporary christianity and it was for um, young adults in in roughly the first decade of their working life so when you're kind of setting out into your career or you know the first stage of your working life um to kind of think about why our work matters to God and how we can show up on Monday believing that it does. You know, you might have heard of Mark Green's book, Thank God It's Monday. Um, that's, he's, I think he he was heavily involved in LICC previously and now he's, um, I think, their champion now that he's retired. Um, and so kind of flipping that idea of work is something to kind of get through, is something to survive. Um, but actually, you know, work is a place where we can thrive um, and where we can live out all of those things that, that God calls us to be. That's really good. It's fantastic. We, um, we also throw things in amongst the, uh, the interviews. Uh, just a few questions that we put out. We may have dipped into whether Die Hard is a Christmas film or not earlier on. <laughs> we do tend to ask quite some of those questions as well. So we're just going to ask a, a few questions of okay. yourself. And yeah. uh, one of the ones we ask is, what are you reading at the moment? What's on the bedside table? Is it light and fluffy? Is it heavy? Or is there a mixture of both? Uh, so I am a chronic serial book reader. So I've got several going on at once. and takes We love ages. recommendations. Okay. So at the moment, um, I'm getting to the end of a book by Gemma Simmons, who I think is a, a religious sister. I think she's a Catholic re- religious sister. And she's written a book called Dancing at the Still Point. Um, and it's about retreat practices for everyday life, so busy lives. So w- when you can't get out and um, go on a retreat, a traditional one, like how can you incorporate elements of retreat into everyday life? So I guess it's it's cool. Comes back to rule of life again. You know, how do you have these th- this balance of work and rest and these times of um, restoration and refreshment with God? So I've nearly finished that, and there's no excuse really because it's only 100 pages long. <laughs> Um, I've been reading a bit of Bede. I've been reading his um, ecclesiastical history of the English people, or the English church. Crumbs. I know. Well, I haven't haven't got very far. (laughs) I'm reading Um, a bit of Bede. (laughs) I'm reading a bit of Bede. I'll tell you why I'm reading that. It's because uh, next week I am walking St Cuthbert's Way. And I just just love Northumbrian Christianity and its history. So I thought I'd... uh, I'd give Bede a go. wasn't too bothered by all the Roman stuff, you know, this Roman emperor. That, but now I've got to Anglo-Saxons, I'm feeling much much brighter about it. <laughs> Very good. Uh, is Die Hard a Christmas film? No. Oh, my <laughs> life. You didn't say that earlier on when you threw your oar I kept in. it quiet. <laughs> uh, in fairness, I've only seen it once or twice. And I have to be honest, I, I'm not a huge fan of action films. So I tend to like watch them with like half an eye open. Um, so I have seen it. I did enjoy it. It was good. Um, but I failed to see the, the centrality of the Christmas reference. But now you've said that thing about Holly, I'm not so sure. So this Christmas, I promise I will watch it again with new eye, with you know a new perspective. Just saved yourself there with the <gasps> Well, my next question might be tricky as well. I was going to say DC or Marvel. 
oh, again i say action films do you know this is so my husband will laugh at this before i met him i had not seen any dc or marvel i had not seen die hard mission impossible star wars lord of the rings i'd not seen any of nothing them nothing wrong with any of that so favorite film you're not a massive film i can see there's not there's not like a Oh, there's so many. I have I have so many favorite films, but they're they're all a bit. I feel like they're all a bit niche. So, childhood favorite Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, Donny Osmond version. Solid. It's brilliant music. The gospel, well, not the gospel, but you know, gospel centered, as it were. Um, I still love that as an adult. Uh, let me think. What have I seen most recently? Hmm. Well, I wouldn't say it was one of my favorites, but I did see my first Mission Impossible the other night in the cinema. That was good. I did enjoy it. Not so not so keen? Well, yeah, I'm not a great Mission Impossible fan, no. I've I've watched them, but yeah, wouldn't I wouldn't um, go to see them anymore. But uh. one one action film that actually I would say is one of my top ten is Baby Driver. I don't oh, know if yeah, you've seen that. Film. That is and I love the the mix of music and sign language and it's just all my favourite things in Any a film. Any film really. that has a track by focus, which is 70s band fantastic yeah i will confess that i watched it on repeat before my driving test because i kind of felt that if he could do that without looking you know and i, I know it's a film but Did you, you pass? know yeah first time but i thought you know i can have the confidence to drive properly yeah and legally so it helped me pass my driving test <laughs> favorite band oh, um my childhood one which i still love is the cause irish folk band oh absolutely love them it's um like my my parents we had about four cds that we'd listen to on repeat they were the proclaimers um scottish absolutely love them the cause we had like this weird gary barlow mix that i don't think was a legit cd and i can't remember the other one but so that that was like the soundtrack of my childhood and i still absolutely love those bands um when it comes to christian music my husband introduced me to king's kaleidoscope so they're really brilliant. They do worship music that's not so much for singing along to, but more of sort of listening to and experiencing. And they, what's really clever is that they kind of mix in. So they'll sing a, they they write like a new worship song, and then they'll like superimpose a children's worship song over the top, or um, a bit of Bach or something like that. It, it's just it's really clever. So really recommend them. Very good. Favorite hymn. Now you're asking. Um, I love And Can It Be. There's certain bits of it, <laughs> like I'm not quite sure I understand some of the language. I probably ought to read. Um, I read up on the lyrics, but I just think it's such a powerful, that's kind of interrogative, asking questions. And it can, it, can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's love or blood? I can't rem remember what it is. Um, anything, yeah, by the Wesleys. Um, but then really simple things I think are beautiful as well like how deep the father's love for us I, I find myself kind of oscillating between wanting something really meaty and theological like and can it be and then something really simple you've played is it i heard the voice of jesus say on mm. the harp you play that really well yeah thank you that's that's one of my favorites because it's it's a personal testimony it's i heard the voice of jesus say you know and it, it talks about light and it talks about um traveling days you know and in that light of life i'll walk till traveling days are done i just think it's it's such a beautiful testimony and if you can sing it and really mean it i think that's really powerful yeah our last one favorite city break 
Ah, oh, Birmingham is where I'm from. Whoa. And going back Hang home, on a it's great, mate. You've got to get back to Birmingham. <laughs> There's the accent. Well, <laughs> on that bombshell. <laughs> Oh, well, Birmingham, not Alabama, Birmingham, no, no, Birmingham, no, Birmingham. Birmingham, UK. No, great to get back. And I mean, I love Sheffield. It's my adopted home. And Where I, in Birmingham were you then? Well, really the black country, which is different. Yes, so, it is. Very, yeah. Yes. But nobody ever knows where that is. So well, I do, oh, that's yes. very exciting. Yeah, that you yeah, know. I spent a lot of time in Walsall and Wolverhampton, Dudley. Dudley. Well, I'm really from Dudley. Or yeah. from Hales Owen, which is just yeah, south well, I know Hales Owen very well. I used to travel up from, through Hales Owen to Dudley. Excellent. Um, Mary Hill Shopping Centre. Mary Hell, as, as it is. It yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Birmingham. Hmm. Hannah, it's been fab talking to you. Thank you so much for being a, a guest on the Words of Grace podcast. I hope it hasn't been too No, it's too been traumatic. great. It's no. been really fantastic to have you. And uh, I think we should have brought the harp in, but what I'm thinking is that maybe we'll get a little... When we're doing towards Christmas, we have a little Christmas harp medley. Yeah, sure. Because I think we might do a Christmas one where we get a few people in just to talk about Christmas stuff, and maybe a, a couple of hymns on a harp. Hymns on a harp. I like that, and it'd be great to have you back on around Christmas because obviously we've got lots of lights for Christ's messaging yeah. to get out around there. Wonderful. Yeah, that would be fun. So brilliant. Fab. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks. See you next time. See you next time.